0: Yo,
1: yo, yo, it's your girl and boy, CT. I'm Cindy Barnes.
0: And I'm Travis Barnes.
1: And we are the founders of The Overcomers Podcast.
0: The Overcomers Podcast is designed to help you overcome adversity and live your dreams. Every week, we will be sharing stories of people who found their strength in their struggle. The Overcomers Podcast is sponsored by Journey 333. And that's a lot of threes, so let me tell you what it is. It's fitness, coaching, and nutrition. It is a place where we help you to look better, live better, and feel better. And it is mind, body, spirit. Today, we're going to help you get your mind right with our special guest. Today, folks, we are going to talk to you about an important topic. And if you haven't been impacted by it yourself, then you're likely to know someone who has. We're going to talk about the topic of addiction. Addiction, yes. I'm here with a friend of mine, Liz Hagedorn. And Liz has a story to share. She also has some important uh, different causes that she's fighting for. One cause is called Roar and another is an upcoming recovery ride where you can take a stand with her against addiction. So Liz, welcome to the show. Thank you. So Liz, uh, how did you get involved uh with yes. this addiction? I'm sure that you have a story yourself, you know. So, you know, we talk we'll talk about Roar today, we'll talk about the recovery ride, but uh you have a story yourself, I'm sure. So, uh if you could share a little bit about your story with our audience,
2: Sure. I was born in rural Radford County, grew up in Tawanda, um, grew up with an alcoholic father, typical alcoholic. Um, When my dad quit drinking, I was 11 years old. And when he went in the hospital, he weighed 112 pounds. He was six foot two. Um, All of his organs were shutting down. He was going into um, he kept having alcohol induced seizures and he was really struggling. So that's when I really, I was like 11 years old when I really understood the effects of alcohol and alcoholism and addiction. People in my family always found other ways to use drugs. They didn't use them actually, but they profited off of them. They profited off selling them. So I was always around that type of situation. I was always around people that did that. And that made it really hard for me. In when I was 16 years old, um, I was already an IV drug user. I was already failing in school, failing at everything I was doing, lying, stealing, cheating, everything I shouldn't have been doing. And one night my mom and I were home alone and my parents' house was broken into and my mom ended up being raped in front of me and that was really hard for me Mm -hmm. that's when I realized that addiction is real and that there's an evil side to it it's not all fun and it's not all games it's not just having fun on the weekends or friendships it's 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 hard and that was when I realized that this is what is ahead for me but it didn't stop me it did not stop me. After that, I graduated high school. I turned 18 in jail. I was in jail on my 18th birthday. Then I went to state prison for the first time at 19, and it was just a downward spiral after that. You know, I'm 33 now, and I got sober when I was 30. But for 12 years, I was in and out of jail from New York State to Pennsylvania in and out of rehabs, parole centers. Um, I couldn't really figure it out until I got put on the drug court program. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, my last bit in jail, um, my father passed away. And that was really hard for me. I'm an only child. And to lose someone that is kind of, your father is, is that person who's sure. strong. He's, he's, he's your hero. And And to lose him in that way and not be able to say goodbye, not be there. That was really hard for me.
0: But Liz, thank you for sharing so vulnerably with our audience. Uh, So your mother was raped in front of you and you were 16 years old. 16 years old. That's a horrific experience. That's horrific. And and your father died while you were in prison. Mm -hmm. Just, uh, you know somewhere along the way, they say that people find the rock bottom and that when you hit your rock bottom, there's no place to go but up. Right. And, and that this is the time of change. Uh, what do you think if you could identify, you know, is it the drug court treatment program? Was there something about it that allowed you to see that rock bottom and change or, or what allowed you to, to really make that turn? You know,
2: honestly, I just don't want to be another statistic it's is something as simple as if you ever get on Facebook and scroll through and it's like, rest in peace, somebody overdosed. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to die with a needle in my arm on somebody's couch that I don't even know. I just don't want my story to end like that. Yeah. And I had a lot of time to think about it, some really hard days. And I just, I don't want, that's not how my story is supposed to end. Right, no, And so I know that.
0: Nobody's story should end that way. What would you say to people that are out there that are listening and they're thinking, you know, I have a, a son, a daughter, a, you know, who knows what it might be, a cousin, a friend, somebody that I would like them to make the decision that Liz has made. I'd like them to change their life. Um, do you think that there's a path for that? Do you think that there's any advice that you have to give?
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, Hope is a very powerful thing. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like it's a very real thing. And I just feel as people, you know, we all love somebody that suffers from addiction. It's hard to find a person who hasn't been affected by, by addiction in some way, shape, or form. And I believe that hope, just have hope, pray for them, do whatever you can you know, to educate them, to show them that you're there. Um, hard love, mm-hmm. tough love. That's what really saved me. Mm-hmm. Tough love. And that's hard.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about that tough love that saved you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: yeah. Um, I ended up homeless on the streets, lying, begging, stealing, robbing people's homes, anything I had to do. It didn't matter. And I feel like you'll find a lot of people in addiction that have said, I'll never do that. That's one thing I'll never do. I've done it.
1: Mm -hmm. I've
2: done it. And I swore I never would. I've done it. Unspeakable things and all for what to chase a high, Mm -hmm. to, 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 to not be sick. That's Mm -hmm. what it gets to. And what's the point in living that way? There's Mm -hmm. no point, but that tough love when my mom and my dad stopped answering the phone stopped, stopped letting me come to the house. They'd call the police on me. If, if I came to the house, if I called, they kept changing their numbers, changing their bank cards, everything for like a year. And I was living on the streets. Um, I remember one time it was so cold. It was like freezing dead of winter. And I didn't have any gas in my car was completely broke down, but I had a pocket, you know, I had a pocket full of drugs and that's all I cared about. But I was so cold in the car that, like, I just I just remember that feeling of like freezing. Mm -hmm. But that's tough love. I don't. I remember those days when I think about it. I remember those days. So,
0: and that's such Mm -hmm. a tough thing for parents that love their children to do because we want to we want to keep loving our children. And often loving our children just means you know how can I stand beside them? Okay, they're hungry. Let me feed them. Okay, they want to shower you know whatever the case might be because they've been running the streets you know let me care for them but then you care for them and then they're they're gone again
2: um i i just feel i'm very close with my mom and i know that that was probably the hardest thing she's ever done in her life was not answering i'm sure that there were a lot of tears sure and a lot of really hard days and i'm sure that was the hardest thing she ever did was not answer the phone but that saved me Mm -hmm. that saved me
0: and what you're actually encouraging our listeners to do is that you're encouraging our listeners to keep their love on and keep hope alive because addiction can turn around and sometimes love has a couple different faces doesn't it sometimes it looks rather tough you know and sometimes it, it can be kind and it's really just knowing when to do which one right right yeah
2: i i I'm grateful I don't have kids. Um, I'm grateful in a sense that I don't have to make those decisions because I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine having to, it's hard enough to do it for yourself, but to do it for your child, I couldn't imagine having to do that. Yeah.
0: Now you said that when you came into the uh, drug treatment program, that was a a turning point for you as well.
2: It was. um, I never succeeded on probation ever. I have been on probation pretty much my entire adult life and it just never worked for me. I'd always end up in jail. And the drug treatment court is just so strict. It's so structured and they know you better than you know yourself. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize how lost I was until I walked in there and the judge said Mm -hmm. to me, you need to find a hobby. What do you like to do? And I was like, I don't know. I'm like I don't know. I'm like crochet. I don't even yeah. like to crochet. You
0: just made it. But up I, <laughs> like, I, yeah. I
2: made it up because I was like I don't know, and I realized like I have no idea who I am,
0: mm. and
2: no idea what I like to do, no clue. My entire life has been consumed by drugs. Mm. I don't know how to live sober, and. I that was a that was a big turning point for me I was just like how do I not know what I like who doesn't know what their hobbies are um
0: we've been hiding from ourselves for so long when we're in addiction right you know right. when you think about I it I think
1: right? I think in addiction too is um the only thing you do or care about is getting your fix finding your high you mm-hmm. don't, you know, you know Go skateboarding, or you know, knit a blanket, or whatever You know, that's right. not where your focus is. So, especially for someone that started so young like you, right? So, I had
2: no idea, right? Yeah. Like I said, crochet. Yeah. You learned to crochet in prison, yeah. And I was like, I don't even like to crochet. I don't know what I like to do, yeah. So,
0: you know, for for the overcomer nation listening, you know that this podcast is near and dear to my heart because I spent ten years in prison for addiction. Really, you know, I, it started with an addiction, and then I just did whatever it took to keep having my drug. And so, therefore, uh, what I remember about this, and I'm wondering if you can relate to this, is I realized when I got clean how long it had been since I looked in the mirror, how long it had been since I felt normal emotions. I had just been in this state of, uh, you know, basically an altered state for so long that I really, I didn't know what it was like to be me. I was recently at a conference and the speaker said, what if you hadn't met you yet? And it's possible that if you've been in an addiction or addicted state for a period of time, You haven't met you yet. You've been meeting this other version of yourself. that's clearly not your best version. So you're like, what do you like to do for a hobby? I don't know. Run around and get high, right? I mean, (laughs) like, you know.
2: (laughs) I just didn't feel like that was an appropriate answer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But so then you got to start doing this journey of self-discovery, right? So then where did they take you? Yeah.
2: Service work.
0: Service work. Service
2: work. It is my passion. It is what I'm put on this earth to do, to help others, It's what I'm supposed to do. And I never would have known that. I never would have known that if they didn't ask me, what is your hobby? Because I really had to take a hard look at myself. I mean, weeks, I would go to counseling and I would talk to the judge and I'd say, how do I not know what I like? How, what is wrong with me? Mm -hmm. And then I just had to get involved with things, get involved with different things. And I, I just found my, I found my passion. Wow. I always say, like, I found my why. Yeah. Yeah, I found my why.
0: Purpose of life is to discover your gift and then give it away. Right? Mm -hmm. And it was interesting, too, that you just gave our listeners the path to finding your purpose is to find your passion. Right? What is that thing that excites you? What is that thing that you get enthusiastic about? Because... Uh, that's actually a, a Greek word. It's uh, ethos iasm, It means the God within, right? You discover like your spirit, like the, the true you, like what do you get excited about? And you get excited about service work.
2: Yeah, seeing someone else smile or seeing that spark in their eye. I'm sure you guys see it mm-hmm. in here and stuff, but when you see somebody get it, mm-hmm. when you see somebody just like their whole life changes because of something you said or something you did or something you helped them with, that it's just like the best high,
0: nation, <laughs> the best high. You hear that, Overcomer Nation? The best high is service work. What a turnaround! Because that's paradoxical, don't you think? I mean, in my opinion, I mean, I certainly wasn't giving any sort of good service to anybody in my addicted state. I mean, I was no. helping people stay in their misery. You know, yeah, and that right. would definitely be. And now, with well, the true you, it yeah. gets high of uh, seeing people smile yeah, it's just
2: such a it's like a rush it's just the best feeling in the world to go home at the end of the day and be like I made a difference in someone's life today you know yeah. even if it's just one person it's yeah. just sure. it's, yeah. it's great like everything you're doing is for a reason and even if it's just that one person I love that feeling
0: so when you say service work can you tell us about some of the types of service work that you uh get involved in
2: yeah so I volunteer a lot at the Salvation Army. In Tawanda, we do like back to school programs for kids. We do Christmas programs. We do all kinds of stuff in Northern Interior Counseling as well. Um, we create all kinds of sober events. Um, we've done roller skating parties. We've done sober, doing sober camping. We've done corn mazes. We go Christmas caroling. We deliver cookies to local cops at Christmas time. Just things to always keep us humbled. Mm-hmm. Always remind us where we came from. And I, I just we do Easter for the kids. This is all kinds of fun stuff.
0: Wow. I love it. And you know that this is another great thing for our listeners. Do you think that there is a big connection or uh, a significant connection between your service work and maintaining your sobriety?
2: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's always that balance that you have to keep that healthy balance that I don't give too much to one and not enough to the other, but absolutely.
0: Yeah. I mean, cause let's face it, I mean, addiction and, and even some forms of depression, I mean, they're really very much about ourselves. Right. And when we can get outside ourselves and realize how big the world really is right. and, and put our focus on someone else, it's a, uh, it's a healing thing, isn't it?
2: Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think I grow from it just as much as other people do. Helps mm-hmm. me just as much as it might help them.
1: Well, that is what they say, right? To keep it, you have to give it away.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. Right, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Is that one of the
0: the steps? Right? Or is that one? Yeah.
2: And then and stuff in the step work too. They do a lot of service work. It's for like twelve step work. So oh, okay, it's very important to give back.
0: And Overcomer Nation, if you're not familiar with that, you know, we're talking about the AA or NA steps. There's 12 steps in recovery. And, uh, you know, one of the most important ones is giving it a way to keep it, right? Right. Now, the way that we got here was we were talking about the things in the uh, Drug Court Treatment Program that have been so significant for you. And you talked about routine and structure and the judge saying, you know, what is it that you like? And, and uh, you know, I mean, what are the things that uh, is that really what's helped you to make this turn the most is... uh, Uh, Those things or or is there more to this program?
2: Oh, this program. um, If anyone is struggling, I would always suggest for them to take this program just because it's helped me so much. Mm -hmm. You have the best support system. Um, You have people that you're surrounded by that understand you before you even understand yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge thing, especially for me coming in here lost. I had no idea. Um, And they understood me. So it's it's the entire program itself.
0: Yeah. I've heard, I've never witnessed one of these uh, Wednesday reviews in front of the judge, but uh, I have heard about them uh, from the witnesses. (laughs) I
2: feel like you'll have to come. come I feel like it's not you can't quite explain it until you're there well mm-hmm.
0: what what's really impressed me is the the judge's um way that he addresses everybody like he actually talks to them uh, like they're human beings and cares about what's going on in their life and yeah uh,
2: our judge is great judge Harley he is he's so supportive he's so encouraging and he is just so involved in each one of our lives he knows yeah. what's going on he's he's fantastic
0: cool. and i I think
2: that.
1: Um, just, I just want to comment one thing on the, the program itself. I feel like people that have been caught up in addiction for a lengthy period of time, regardless of what the addiction is, alcohol, drugs, um, and it sounds cliche, but it's people, places, and things we've all heard it a million times. And this program gives you friendship, gives you Mm -hmm. family, it lets you experience sober life fun things and i think that for a lot of people especially you know coming out of rehabs jails those kind of things they the only people that they have in their lives are usually their old friends right. the only places that they know of to go is old places and this this program um i feel gives them that support system, gives them new friends, new opportunities, and a lot of structure to just build a new life. Yeah. it does yeah, yeah.
0: It and does. Um, so good. And you know, Cindy was able to witness this overcome nation because we're real people with real issues. and our daughter Destiny is involved in this program. We're proud to say that she's in a program of recovery, and that's how we met our friend Liz. Uh, so you know, Real life happens. Real life mm-hmm. happens, and we are so grateful for a program like that. Mm-hmm. My question to you, Liz, was, uh, and, and this is a really interesting uh, topic for me because just this past weekend, I, I recently decided to quit drinking because my daughter, you know, goes to AA and NA, and I'm like, you know, how can I be the best support? And I also realized something about me, and maybe you guys can relate to this one. I realized I don't know if I was necessarily. An alcoholic, by the way, you would think of one, you know, you might think of one that's like, you know, needs to have a drink when they wake up in the morning, and that's an alcoholic. I was an alcoholic by the standard that uh alcohol was too much of a solution for me. You see, like I would drink alcohol to have fun, I would drink alcohol because the day was stressful, I would drink alcohol to unwind, I would drink alcohol to have some courage at an event that was going to be awkward for me. In particular, this last weekend. I went to an event where I would normally have a couple of drinks Um, that would help me in an uncomfortable environment where I didn't know anybody to kind of feel comfortable networking. And so I was determined that I was going to this event. I wasn't going to have drinks. And I was so grateful for my friend Todd, who went to this event with me, who also has a rule that he'll only have two beers a month. And thankfully, this was not his night to have those two beers. So he he walked with me over to this place and he says, hey, they have these ice drinks over here. Do you want to get one? And so we poured our ice drinks into this clear solo cup and mine was black raspberry. So maybe some people might have been thinking I had some sort of cocktail in my hand. But what was really cool is having somebody like Todd that now we got our drinks and now we got our food. And now we went over this table and we sat down together and we enjoyed the evening But it really helped that I had some sort of like a wingman, if you will, that's like, hey, we're going to do this in a sober way and have fun, right? So the reason I just share that story is because I feel that we need people to kind of teach us how to have fun without sobriety, like Mm -hmm. what you're describing. And I don't know whether your inspiration came from the drug treatment program that was offering these programs, but now you're creating these events. And for somebody even like myself to feel like okay, now I know how to do this, right? <laughs> because I didn't know how to do it before. I mean, and so is that what creating these sober events about? Is uh, showing people that they can have fun and
2: yep, just that recovery is real. And like I said, I don't see the point in getting sober if you're going to get sober and be angry and miserable and hate your life. You have to go out and have fun. You have mm-hmm. to. That's that's what made it different for me. Once I started to have fun, I loved it. Because you laugh more and it's a different laugh. It's mm-hmm. like that deep belly laugh where you don't know, laugh like that in years. And it's just you have so much fun and you're just surrounded by great people. Like you said, like the friendships you make, especially sober friendships, they're real. They're real. Yeah.
0: And so this Tina that yeah. runs a program, what's Tina's name?
2: Uh Clementine Folkrod.
0: Okay. Easy for <laughs> you to say Tina Clementine Folkrod. Okay. Well, she she organizes a lot of events like that. She right? does. Okay. She does. She
2: yeah. she is amazing. Yeah. She is amazing. She is, I always tell people she took me by the hand out into the world and just showed me that I was capable of doing anything. Mm-hmm. She didn't just tell me that I could do it. She like took my hand and walked me out there and was like, listen, you can do this. Wow. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. Do you have counselors. And then you have people like Tina. Tina is the kind of person that changes people's lives. Yeah.
0: You know, the and- reason I'm asking about these things is I think that this drug treatment program has really nailed a couple of ideas that are typically in my experience done differently. Like I've mm-hmm. been in mandatory programs before. And I can't say that uh, uh, the counselor in charge was ever concerned of if I had a pedicure or if I had Christmas in July. You know, I mean, like you know, like yeah, you know, know, like I I think they were just like you're supposed to be here, and you better be working your steps, and did you read your assignment? And you know, it almost seems like kind of a a tough uh, love instruction. And of course, any judge that I'd ever been in front of. it wasn't a pleasant conversation typically if I was getting in trouble.
2: She turned us into like you said like a little family. Yeah. yeah. And we've all just become such good friends inside and outside of that program like. Yeah. We're all just really good friends. Sober mm-hmm. friends.
0: Wow. Yeah, so there's something there overcomer nation. You know, if you're looking to get someone that you love into a program of recovery, uh think about these elements, you know, where they where they realize there's hope, where they find sober ways to have fun, where they're treated like human beings, even by uh you know, you're a judge, right? Uh you know, like you're, if if more of that happened more often, if you weren't like the stain on society, but also reminded that you're a human being too, with a purpose to serve. Right. You know, uh, that's pretty awesome. So then your service work has led you to create a nonprofit.
2: Yeah. So myself and then my two best friends, Beth Swain and Chris Easley started a nonprofit called Roar R O A A R and it stands for raising overall awareness about recovery.
0: Um, raising overall yeah. awareness about recovery. Roar. 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 Yep. All right.
2: And we went through and we got we went through and started a nonprofit, got it official, and that's what we do is we create sober events. We go around to rehabs, we speak, share our stories, just inspiration, strength, and hope and
1: Oh,
0: yeah. Really it's cool. So That's great. It's fun.
2: It's, it's <clears throat> a lot of fun. Very grateful for that opportunity.
0: And it's so awesome yeah. of you, even on our podcast today, to use your story to show that even somebody, how old were you when you were using intravenous drugs?
2: Um 15 when I started.
0: Fifteen years old. Yeah. Intravenous drug user. 16 years old. You saw your Up mother rape.
2: Yeah.
0: Father dies while you're in jail. These are the reasons that sometimes people used to stay in addiction. And you've shown people by sharing your story that no matter what traumatic events have happened in your life, that you can embrace sobriety and that you can move past it and that you can have a real life that's of service to others and makes people smile, right? You know. I love it. That's so awesome. Now we got a big recovery ride coming up.
2: Yes, September 24th.
0: Okay, all right. So tell me a little bit about that. What's going on? Oh, my
2: goodness. We have, it's a sober motorcycle run. We have a ton of prizes that will be given out at the end of it. It Mm -hmm. starts at Northern Care Counseling in Tawanda. It ends at Falling Waters Campground and Shunk. Mm -hmm. Um, It will lead into a sober campout. So there will be sober camping that night, the 24th, into the 25th there will be a dj karaoke a lot of games for kids there will be basket raffles 50 50 drawings bake sale
0: okay And there'll be
2: a chicken i believe a chicken barbecue dinner
0: that is awesome so, okay so again it starts um so if you have a motorcycle or if you know somebody that has a motorcycle right this is a recovery ride and it starts where
2: at northern tier counseling North- in tawanda
0: okay and when does it start
2: at 10 a.m. 10 a.m.? Yep. And it's $25 registration, okay. and that includes your meal at the end of the ride.
0: 25 bucks, You even get chicken barbecue? That's great. <laughs> yep. That's great. I know Ooh. the Journey Bus is going to be at that campground this weekend. Unfortunately, yeah, we don't have motorcycles uh, anymore, but we are going to uh, go camp out for this recovery ride and mm-hmm. uh, participate in all these festivities. Uh, so that's awesome. There's going to be music. There's going to be karaoke. If you're a singer, come on out. Yep. Uh, <laughs> what, what else will there be? What, what did you say? There's cornhole too at this uh campfire? um
2: there will be cornhole, oh, yeah. there will be games for kids, oh, yeah, um DJ music, karaoke, there'll be A and N A meetings around a the campfire, there's basket raffles, 50-50s. Of stuff. really good it's there good is fun. a lot of stuff
0: there's a lot of stuff you know come on out and maybe you'll win a journey basket at this event um yeah. i know they've gotten lots of great donations so if you're if you love chinese auctions and you love seeing what you can win just another reason to come out anything else that you'd share with our audience today about the program of recovery uh, about the drug treatment program your story uh roar roar i love that uh, i, I want to roar when i say it it's like roar. <laughs>
2: Um, just, I'm just very grateful that, you know, I got to meet you guys through Destiny, and that you let me come and do this today, I'm very thankful for that.
0: Well, we're very oh, thankful yeah. for you yeah. sharing your story. Yeah, thank thank you. you. Thank you. Overcomer Nation, there is hope. If you know someone who's struggling with addiction, no matter how far gone, no matter what they've been through, no matter what reasons they use to justify their addiction, there is hope. Sometimes it takes tough love. Sometimes... You just have to be that lighthouse. Just keep on loving and keep on hoping and keep on praying. And when it's time for a program, consider if you can find a program that has some of the elements that Liz talked about today, where they get to meet themselves. They get to find out, you know, what does make them happy? What is their passion? What is their purpose? Liz, thank you so much for being on the show. You're
1: welcome. Thank You're you. Awesome. <laughs> You're awesome. you.